Hello everyone and welcome back to MVGB, the monthly video game briefing where what we do is that uh, I get together with Scott Johnson. My name is Patrick Beja, by the way. He is Scott Johnson. Hello, Scott. Say hello. Wow, this is the weirdest intro you've ever done. I love it. I love it. Well, it's not done. It's not done. So say hello. Oh, hello. Hi. There you go. And uh, what we do, we get together, we say hello hello to you, and then we uh, cover the news from the gaming world for the past month along with uh, the games that are coming out this month and we do it in a way that is hopefully easy to digest and understand even if you're not a super hardcore gamer if you just think you know what i'm interested in games i want to know what's happening in that world but i don't need every single news item dissected in my new detail and every single feature of every single game well we have half an hour a month, and you will know what you have to know. So that yep. is what we do with this show. Is That's that- our job. We come here to do it, and we're ready for it, and we uh, love it, and we hope you do too. And if you don't, well, maybe today changes that for you. It's possible. We have some cool games to talk about and some uh, interesting announcements from the industry. We're going to be talking about Google Stadia, about Apple Arcade, about Nintendo potentially having new Switch consoles coming out this year. And uh, before we get to all that, we have to talk about the games that are coming out this month. Um, I selected just two because I think it's a little bit less uh, of a full month games-wise than it was in the beginning of the year. But, uh, you know, we still have two pretty massive games coming out this month, which is uh, significant. I selected Mortal Kombat 11 because I think some people will be interested to know what that game is. And Days Gone, uh, both are coming towards the end of the of the month. Uh, the first one is Mortal Kombat 11, coming out on the 23rd. Yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Scott Johnson, Mortal Kombat is a very strange beast. Uh, let's imagine we're in a world where some people haven't heard of that game or don't quite know what it is. Uh, how would you describe it? Oh, gosh. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, he's gone. I can do it if you, no. I'm talking about Mortal Kombat. Oh, Mortal Kombat's easy. Let me do that because I've been around for the entirety of that series and was there for the heyday of ah, oh, violence is going to destroy our kids. And can you believe a game has a guy pulling someone's head off at the end and rah, like that whole freak out in the uh, in the early '90s, mid '90s uh, about Mortal Kombat one and and uh, being instrumental right around that time, uh, and, and at least, if, if not creating, uh, at, at the very least, reinforcing the ESRB rating system that we have here in the States, and perhaps even that Peggy crap you guys have over there. I don't know what it is. I, <laughs> I crap. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's great. It's, it's roughly the same. So if ours yeah. is crap, then yours is crap as well. But I it's not so, crap. Not, actually, there's no crap in those things. I'm actually a big fan of, a, of the industry having a self-imposed uh, system of ratings that help parents and people make decisions based on content. I think it's actually great. And and I think part of the credit is due to some of these games pushing the limits so that we got to this point. That being said, Mortal Kombat has evolved a lot over the years and it is 
what, I mean, I don't know why people aren't freaking out now. <laughs> I've seen some of these fatalities in 11. I, I played 9 and well, 10. So you, uh, you very ooh. skillfully did not explain what Mortal Kombat is. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so let me do that first. Um, Mortal Kombat is a fighting game, one-on-one fighting game, uh, that in its heyday, as Scott alluded to, was making a show of its uh, violence and gore. It had things like the most famous thing uh, Mortal Kombat has is those fatalities, which are special moves um, towards the end of, of a fight that uh, display some incredibly gory and repulsive uh, special moves that will, for example, um, have one character rip the spine out of another one's body and all sorts of things like that, cut them in half, burn them alive. It's It's... The, the the initial games were very realistic because they used sprites made of real photos of real actors. And that was what they were going for. Of course, realism could only go so far because it was still uh, very um, video gamey graphics. Now, the games have evolved and it's it, that one has uh, seen a renewal of interest with Mortal Kombat Nine, yes, there have been that many, maybe even more games in the series. But when they came back in full force a couple of years ago, a few years ago, um, they were pushing the um, gory nature of some of the moves. And some of them are a lot more gory even. But they have uh, straddled an interesting line between realism in the graphics and cartoonish look uh, that make that goriness which is expected for this game and maybe it wouldn't be acceptable if it was a new franchise coming with that kind of violence um but so it makes that goriness kind of cartoony and acceptable even though it does have some um some some realistic aspects is that a fair way of describing it that it's a, it's a weird true. blend yeah you've, you've described it pretty well i think the other thing is um to mention is that the game at least in the early days and you could argue two and three were were strong outings in terms of gameplay, but I would say the Mortal Kombat series was never really known for its fighting game prowess as much as it was its controversy and its fun in rebellion and playing a hardcore game and sort of mm-hmm. yeah, my parents have no idea how gross this game is. Ha ha ha. That's it was of- very nineties <clears throat> extreme. We're we're bloody and we're for so. adults. Yeah, and it's changed, though, because you can't really get away with that today with gamers. I think gamers need substance. They need quality. And the game has also evolved in, uh, into quite a good fighting game, like a a quality tournament-ready sort of experience that is full of depth and strategy and tactic and and all of that with this layer of, of sort of MK uh, over-the-top violence. It's still there, and it's still there in spades. Like, there's tons of it, but... But it's but it's a it's a good fighting game. Like people play it because it's fun. If all this was was gory graphics and and a you know kind of a dark storyline or whatever, I don't think it's a successful franchise in 2019. But yeah, I think it continues to be it, strong because it's actually a good game. I think uh, some people would argue it was good uh, from the beginning. I would. I'm more of a classic Japanese fighting game uh, uh, style, so I want the very precise type of uh, gameplay, which this, I agree, didn't really have. And to an extent, it has, but it's not the same style. We won't get into those uh, those different schools of fighting games fights, but um, 
the, the game has evolved, as you said. I think it has two things going for it nowadays. Uh, well, three things if you include that spectacle. Uh, what are they going to imagine to make this more gory than last time? And surprisingly, they always manage to find some more disturbing things. Um, I don't know how they but, do it. It's like they just keep evolving with the tech and get grosser and grosser. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's very it's very uh, uh, I don't know. There's something fascinating about that, uh, but it's also a lot more self-aware than it was before. It was very uh, extreme, as we said in the beginning. Now it makes fun of itself in that uh, uh, again straddling the fourth wall breaking line um, and being self-serious, but it manages to do that very skillfully, and it also has a very potent single-player offering. Um, it has an actual story which is campy and and b-movie type of thing but very well put together it has uh some things that will uh, make you come back if you want to play uh kind of every week for for a while so unlike most other fighting games unlike the japanese uh fighting games you can absolutely play this game solo and you will get uh probably your money's worth so if you are intrigued by this funny gruesome violence which is really a, a unique blend and you are a, you, you're thinking well i don't want to um i i don't have people to play with i'm not going to go competitive with that game i just want to play by myself um it's really a spectacle it's it's gross in a ooh but also i'm enjoying it kind of way um yeah and it, it's a very special different kind of uh kind of fight it is they've, they've somehow managed to divorce the cruelty that you would associate with violence com- almost completely like it's just yeah it's just ridiculous it's it's over the top it's a it's comic booky it's realistic in a sense but it's stylized on top of that like it's a very interesting mix like i don't mm. it's easy to just write it off as well oh, they're making a gory fighting game but i think there's actually some artistry happening here that's deeper than just your typical hey here's the art style and here's the story and here's yeah. the fighting there's something else Absolutely. going on there, and I, and I can't quite put my finger on it. But I can tell you this. I have an 18-year-old, a teenager, who is extremely excited for this game. <laughs> uh, pre-ordered it months ago, even though I told him pre-orders are dumb. Just He's going to get it digitally anyway. Just get it the day it comes out, um, unless there's some reward. I don't remember. But anyway, he's, uh, he's so stoked about it. And here I am, a parent who, at close to his age, bought the original Mortal Kombat and thought, yeah, I'm being rebellious, doing this thing. <laughs> Nobody can stop me, and the news is losing their minds over this game. And then here I am all these years later, and now it's his turn. And here's the great part. I don't – I think it's awesome, and I'm stoked for him to get it. And, and you're going to play with problems. him. Yeah, of course I am because it's awesome. And That's great. every time a trailer comes out, he sends me a text. Dad, you see this Johnny Cage trailer? It's so good. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool, dude. Let me go look at it, and I'll look at it, and then we'll talk about it later. And what what uh, fighters we think haven't been released yet and what we think we're going to see. And he predicted Jax would be in there, and I wasn't so sure, but there he is in the new trailer. And <laughs> So you well, know, that's, it's a it's a lot of stupid fun that game, a, a lot of fun, and I. <clears throat> it's good that your son is eighteen, because I would definitely agree that this is not a, a game for minors. I mean, if oh, you're no, there no. and you're you're you think they're uh, mature enough and they will understand what's happening, fine, but not for everyone, and definitely yeah. not for children. I think if you're. <laughs> you know you're a rebellious 16 year old you're you're already of course you're gonna play it. Yeah, but. but if you got a little kid you know like nick who's the town crier long story uh if when he was five or six 
No way. This oh, no. Nightmare. That would have given him nightmares. It's horrible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it would have been awful. But he's I, at 18, gained a taste for such things, so yeah. he's good. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about Days Gone. But I, I want to be precise in what I said. Uh, you know, I said things like, oh, they burn people alive and they cut them in half. The level of of inventiveness i think is the word that i best describes it the level of inventiveness they put in those fatality moves is incredible they will do things that you would never have thought about and the 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 the, the fact that it's not considered snuff because it it well maybe there is a little bit of snuff but it's it's cartoony more than violent well <laughs> again it's i don't a, know just just watch it for yourself combo. and you'll see it's a, you're making a good point. I think it's it's an important point to enforce. Like, keep in mind, there are moves in this game where it looks like you've crushed your opponent's head mid-fight, but he hops up and keeps fighting. Yeah, uh, you you get but to the end you, of this okay, fight. Okay, maybe maybe that's a good example to give you an an, uh, an idea of what happens in this game. When you crush your opponent's head, you have a kind of X-ray vision, and it zooms on their skull, and you see their skull <laughs> being fractured, and 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 compressed against the wall as you're standing on them and it has yeah. those sound effects and the visual effects and then they get back up and they keep fighting it's it's yeah. very weird they, they get their their moves where a sword is you, you've been you know run through with a sword right through your heart but you keep fighting the fatalities are, are even then are not permanent because <laughs> when you're done with the fight and somebody kills kung lao or whatever uh you know the the thing says finish him and then you do it and it says fatality so-and-so wins and then you go fight kung lao again like it's not <laughs> it's it's there's nothing permanent there's no self-seriousness in that regard it's just it's just ridiculous it's a little like you know imagine a seven a, a seventh grade junior high kid in in t- detention scratching on his desk crazy ideas for robot wars or something it's like this kind of thing but blown up and professionalized and turned into something highly entertaining mm. and it's just a you know the series deserves uh, if not actual play, it deserves at least a look to see where it's come and what it is and, and to study it in the context of today versus the sort of controversial window mm. it was released in. And I don't know. I find the whole yeah. thing very fascinating yeah. and it's going to be a huge hit. That game's going to sell like gangbusters and do really well. All right. We, we talked a lot more about Mortal Kombat than I thought we would. Uh, it, it's deserving of that uh, attention, though. Uh, Days Gone is coming out on the 26th. I didn't mention it, but Mortal Kombat 11 is coming on uh, all the platforms that you would expect. PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4. Days Gone is a PlayStation exclusive, uh, one of those uh, Sony-financed games that comes out on their platform only um and it is a game that had been almost written off by a lot of the media because it felt like a formulaic game it is open world post-apocalyptic zombie narrative adventure single player uh uh, game and it, it doesn't really seem to be doing anything new or interesting which led a lot of people in the press seeing it year after year at e3 uh and in other presentations to think well this is going to be a boring game the uh feedback we've gotten from recent uh play sessions are that you know what it is boring but that's not necessarily 
bad boring. It, it's uh, the, uh, very formulaic, but it does what it does well. And for a certain type of gamers, the people who like single-player adventure games, um, it's probably going to pr- provide uh, a good chunk of entertainment for uh, a good price. It's a triple-A spectacle narrative game. And for me, for example, I think it's going to be right up my alley um, and I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna give it a try, unless the reviews are uh, absolutely panning it. Um, but yeah, it's it's classic, but probably maybe good. Yeah, I uh, my impression is it looks great. Um, I, from the first view we had of it, it looked really really nice looking game. They were clearly kind of going a little more World War Z in terms of the zombies um, sort of piling up. And one, one of the things they were trying to showcase is look how many we have on screen at once, all sort of independently coming at you. And and that didn't really say much about gameplay, but it was a well, cool it, it was thing. It was cool, but it was shown in the first showcase, and it, it there were never that many zombies again because it was like a sea of creatures coming at you, yeah. like literally like a wave, a, hum, a human or zombie wave. It remains to be seen if it's still in the game or if it was too ambitious uh, of, a, of a piece of tech and that they had to cut it and only have regular swarm of zombies like you would have in, in other uh, games. This is all true. I, I I don't know what to expect from it, honestly, because it doesn't, like you say, there's nothing about it where you're like, oh, that's going to be this most unique take on the genre. It might just be another take on the zombie genre, and maybe mm. that's okay for people that are into that. I mean, I have to admit, I'm into it. I like zombies. I, I, I really never kind of tire of it. So I'm always down for some. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious about it, but I do need to see, this is one of those games where I need to see what the critical reaction is before I dive in. I, I can't just do it blindly. Um, yeah, I think I just, that's a good, uh, too many unknowns, too many unknowns. Yeah, that, that's absolutely the right approach here. Um, just, just wait and see what the reviews are. If you're not interested in these kinds of games, Maybe it's not going to be for you, but uh, if if you are, still I would say wait for the reviews and uh, before you make a purchasing decision. For me, I'm eighty two percent sure I'm going to get it and enjoy it. But eighty two, so wow, that's very yeah. granular, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you have to be precise. Uh, All right, let's talk about Google Stadia, the new gaming service that was announced by Google a couple of weeks ago. And so it is one of those streaming services that we've known for a while are going to be showing up in the next two or three years. Pretty much everyone is looking at that technology. And there are a few companies that are very well placed technologically because of their infrastructure um, for those uh, experiences. And Google is, of course, one of them. They shot first. They have announced that towards the end of the year, they will release this service, which is essentially a new platform, like a new console, except there is no physical console. Microsoft, of course, is working on its xCloud, which works the same way, but also gives you the option to have a physical console to play your games, the same games, at home, um, if you don't want to use the streaming service, or if you can't because your connection doesn't allow for it. Um, From the technology standpoint, I think it's fair to say the people who have tried these services with the good enough connection, of which there are many who have good enough connections, they usually say, yes, it works well enough. There are a lot of people who say, this will never work, and this is fantasy, and they're usually people who haven't tried them 
and or people who are very grumpy, hardcore gamers who need the lag to be as minimal as possible uh, or they will say that it's unplayable. I think regular people will find this service, the streaming services, to be fine. Um, they are not the best performance you can get, but they're not at all unplayable. I would say most of them seem to be pretty uh, playable. So from the technology standpoint, I would say there isn't a huge amount to discuss. Um, it, it will judge the proof will be in the pudding. What's really interesting is what can Google offer that will make it different and interesting because they're Google um, and and what does the the platform look like uh, from a more general standpoint Scott what what did you think of the announcement are you excited for the service is it for you is it for other people what are the uh, positive sides negative sides what do you think well for me the hmm, I mean it's a big question I there <clears throat> there's a lot of excitement on my part because I had seen firsthand the demo that they did la late last year of running Assassin's Creed Origins, or excuse me, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Odyssey yeah. via Chrome, which I decided to test out on a crappy old notebook that can barely run anything. And I wanted to see how that thing would go. And it was seamless. Like it looked as good as my PC install, which was running on high end hardware. The latency was unnoticeable if there was any. Um, it was pretty incredible, actually. I was blown away by it. And, and I've used other services and tried other stuff, even as far back as on live and, and various other ones that have come and gone are, are still here. And they all have various levels of, well, that was pretty good, except I could definitely tell there was lag, uh, whether it's controller lag or video response or whatever. <clears throat> so I had, uh, I had kind of low expectations going into it cause I just thought we're just too early in this. And that blew my mind. So for them to follow up now with an actual announcement and an actual platform is a big deal. And I think it's a, I hate the name, but I'll get used to it. Um, I think the, the thing that people need to understand about this and maybe our listeners in particular, what they announced isn't um, some kind of Netflix for games or, I mean, there's a lot we don't know about it, like pricing and, and how it's going to be structured and stuff. But yeah, for the which, most part, which what is a pretty big, important part. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, uh, it's a huge part of it. Yeah. E3 should be interesting because they're supposed to do more there. But, um, you know, at GDC, they're talking to developers. They're trying to get people on board with all this. But what I understand of it, the way it looks to me is this is a new platform. As much as of a platform as you would call a PlayStation 5 or, a, or an Xbox 2 or whatever they're going to call it, they they have a platform that will likely... While it will have its own unique games and things like that, um, it will also be, it'll be like this. Like, what platform are you on? Which, a Call of Duty comes out. Where are you getting it? Oh, I'm getting it on Stadia. Oh, okay, cool. I have it on Xbox One. Like, that's that's what this is. Absolutely. In my mind. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just a new platform. Think of it as a as a box that's in the, in the sky and not under your TV. Um, and the difference is that, since it's in the sky, it is so easy to access. And that's the big uh, uh, differentiator here, um, which is, you know, the case for all of these services, supposedly. But of course, uh, Google has the industry oomph 
to get the partnerships they need to make it commercially interesting. And uh, one of the things they demoed, you have a YouTube video of uh, some YouTuber talking about a game, and immediately afterwards, you have a button that appears, play now. You press the button and you're playing now. You don't need anything. There's no barrier to entry. It is uh, uh, something that changes, if you excuse the unintentional pun, changes the game for the way you access games. Um, it's something that they could use, of course, what is Google good with, uh, advertising and uh, giving services away for free, quote unquote. And that could be used here as well. Maybe there would be a subscription. We don't know. But maybe there would be a free tier to a subscription that lets you try games for a certain amount of time. Maybe there would be... It's pretty almost certain that many of the games that you will be able to purchase if you end up going, they end up going with that model, you can just try immediately um, without anything. Just start playing and you play for a couple of hours. And then you, if you like it, you buy it. Or maybe less, maybe more. And that has never existed before. And you can play it on anything. Um, yeah. That's definitely a strength. It's a huge deal. Um, I think there's a lot of trepidation around, and I've heard a lot of this since the announcement. Some of the hype has settled down. <clears throat> a lot of concern that Google sometimes just doesn't put their all into a project and that their their commitment is not strong. Uh, their, their CEO kind of got up and said, yeah, I don't really play games, but but this technology is here and we think it'll work for games. And it, there's a tone of like, well, you know, maybe, maybe this will work or maybe it'll be the next Google plus or buzz or wave or a thousand other projects. They start and end that have some promise and they just don't stick with. Uh, I might, my, my personal feeling is that they are, that they are all in on this um, and they have the resources to do it. I also think it's good because it provides a real push uh, for others to respond. Microsoft's already planning. We already knew this, but they're planning <clears throat> at E3 making a giant push for their xCloud service, which is very similar probably. I mean, we don't know yet, but similar thing, leveraging the cloud, AKA lots of servers and lots of uh, infrastructure, which they are uh, like Google uniquely positioned to do. Um, honestly, I actually think these announcements and what we hear at E3 really put Sony on the back of their heels because Sony's strength right now is is uh, first-party games that are incredible and review well and, and sell systems. Uh, I don't think they have, they don't have the infrastructure for what these two companies, these two behemoths are offering. And if this is truly the future of things, Sony's got to figure something out. I don't know if they had a partner with Amazon, who's the only other company really suited to, to have that level of infrastructure, um, or if something else they have to invest in. I don't know, but it, Sony not being at E3, uh, deciding instead to do these occasional videos, almost Nintendo style is leaving a pretty wide berth for, for Google and Microsoft to do their thing. And it's going to get real fascinating real quick because the current leader may yeah. be not so long for being the current leader. If they don't have a response to this or all of this is just fluff and dumb and, and gamers don't want it. I don't know. Like there's a lot well, to be answered. I think gamers, core gamers, will always want a console or a PC in their home to to play those things. I think there's a lot of people who will use these services as a second or third option, third platform, um, as core gamers do. And a lot of people that are not as hardcore gamers as the other who will think, well, you know, this is good enough for me. It's fine. And it's there. It's right there. Um, 
And and you're right. Sony is might be in a precarious position. Of course, they have PlayStation Now, which is a similar type of service, um, which doesn't work as well as what we've seen from others. Uh, they could beef it up, but it seems like the exclusives are almost easy to replicate. Any studio, any developer or studio can decide, or manufacturer can decide, we're going to make games now exclusive, and they buy or build a studio and have exclusive games. Now, whether or not they're good is more difficult, but it is possible compared to building up this kind of infrastructure that's needed for those services, which is a whole other bag of potatoes uh as the saying goes and and it's not even certain that sony could do it maybe you're right getting together with amazon on this but then amazon i'm not sure what their interest would be maybe yeah well we'll see this is speculation but but anyway stadia really interesting we'll see how it goes and more details at e3 but so far i think it's uh you're right it's a new platform it's a new uh entry in the uh we can't really call them consoles anymore, but the console-like uh, uh, industry. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead. I, I, I was going to move on to Apple, Apple Arcade. Um, oh, yeah. We should th- talk about that. Which is really interesting as well. Um, there's. I'm, I'm going to jump to the conclusion of my, uh, of my uh, 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 discussion because it's really the important thing. So for those who don't know, Apple Arcade is an upcoming subscription service, just like many others, uh, but you don't stream anything, you actually download and play the games, and they're partnering with developers, some of them very uh, renowned developers to make games, that's, some of which will be exclusive to the service, um, and they will also have partnerships for uh, other games that are available uh, to buy on iOS uh, to integrate the service and um, the games will be available on mac os uh, ipad iphone and apple tv so it's creating a a gaming service that is ubiquitous uh, on the apple ecosystem and they will only be paid game games of course and and they did something really interesting which was focus on quality of games um artistic endeavors um interesting uh uh type of uh, um, creations. And I think, so now we're getting to my conclusion, which is, I think this is a smart way for Apple to get people who are gamers to pay for paid games. Because I can absolutely imagine people like yourself and myself um, thinking, okay, this is five bucks a month. month. Uh, Currently, I buy maybe one or two games a year on an Apple device, and they're usually mm. under five bucks. If this was five bucks a month, I would probably get the service because I'm a gamer, and I would check out the games as they come to the service or as the exclusives are um, made available. And so I would pay five bucks a month for those games for a much longer time than I do now. So I think it's an interesting way of extracting money from gamers for paid games, which are very underrepresented on the uh, App Store uh, because it's very difficult to compete with free. And of course, the free games are maybe not the most gaming-wise satisfying games that you will find on on platforms in general, especially on mobile platforms. What do you think about that analysis? 
Um, I think it's a fair analysis. I think fair. I, think I was that, hoping for for a little bit higher rating than fair, but but okay, uh, okay, one hundred percent accurate analysis from track <laughs> reporter you, Patrick Beja. Um, I I'm still really confused about it. And I know that's maybe it's more plain than I think, which is sometimes happens with just Apple stuff in general. Like it's probably more simple than I'm making it, but I just have a lot of questions. Like if I'm using the service and are, will this have a whole bunch of games that are already prepaid games? Is it a perpetual library that never changes and just gets added into do things fall out of it over time? Uh, if I decide I just want to pay for one of those games. Can I do that? And then it's mine forever. Like there's a lot well, of stuff. All of those, answer. all of those seem. Yes, you're right. There, there weren't uh, uh, all of the answers, but all of those seem likely. I'm sure it will be a library that will have games full in and out of, just like any other subscription service. I think some of the games will be exclusives. You won't be able to get them uh, by paying for them outside of the service, but they've already announced that some of them are games that are just normally available on iOS. Uh, the one I'm thinking about is uh, Oceanhorn 2, which will come out oh, as a right. regular right. paid game uh, on iOS, and it will also be in the service when it launches so all of those yeah, here's the other here's the other thing that makes me slightly less excited mm-hmm. because i am excited about it. i actually think it's a pretty cool idea and they've got a gigantic audience for this um games have already you know proven to be a really strong point of mobile in general and certainly apple enjoys likely the most success financially from a successful store full of games that are uh, go from compelling all the way down to terrible but whatever they're all they're all there for the taking uh I, I I'm a little hung up about the fact that they are just phone games and that I, that there there's MiFi controller support sure for some of this stuff but you know how great can this library be when at the end of the day it's all touchscreen like I don't know that that part as a consumer I'm a little I, I'm a little hung up on um, I, I like games on iOS I certainly do but I don't they they usually have to be like a game that's well suited to that interface. So card games or um, I'm playing one right now called Pirates Outlaws, which is like a Slay the Spire clone, uh, but with pirates. And it's fantastic. And I'm playing that on iOS. And that was a just pay for it kind of game and play it. And uh, those kinds of games are very interesting to me. So I I would hope for a lot of those. But then also, you know, are you going to make me a bunch of racing games and terrible stuff like that? Like, (laughs) I don't know how how I'll feel about that because the 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 value of the library will depend a lot of on how i interface with it yeah um, i think your 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 assessment is fair um yeah. but no you're 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 right that so far uh independent of the business model uh the games that we've seen on mobile devices for the most part have not been the kind of games that we core gamers are looking for. Um, I think this might give us an opportunity to have an answer to that question, which we asked at various times and for different reasons. Is it possible to make mobile games with the issue of the interface compelling for core gamers? If this doesn't uh, give us a few of those at least with Apple uh, um, having a, a real effort to get great game developers, great creators and getting the money behind it up front. If this doesn't create games that we're excited for, 
I might start to think that it's not possible, that, that the, the platform is just not the kind of platform that you will get the, the, the games that will be exciting to um, core gamers. So I yeah. guess we'll see. I, I, and that may not matter because it's already a gigantic success with or without core gamers. Um, so I think that, well, uh, I think the, this model works for the existing people who already are really into mobile games. So it's going to be successful. I'm actually I'm, I'm bullish on that. I just I'm trying to figure out where the value proposition is for me. You know? Well, that's the thing. It is successful, but the biggest successes are free-to-play games, which are a very specific type of uh, loop and, and mechanic. Um, right. The, the for-pay games, are there are some that are really successful, of course. We could give you a few examples, but it's usually the exception rather than the rule. I think what this aims to do is to create a space, to carve out a space for these types of games to exist a little bit more consistently. So right. we'll see. Right, right, right. Yeah, it should be interesting. I, I, that's one to watch just because <laughs> on the one hand, it's this brave new way of giving people games on mobile. On the other hand, it's almost a way of fixing a problem that happened organically on the App Store where so much is coming out every day that really unique, awesome titles get like a half a second window of notice. Mm. And then they get yeah. buried in a sea of, of free-to-play and a million other kinds of things and so in in a weird way this is almost like them coming up with a way to get get more get money for for a way of fixing game (laughs) uh exposure like it's it's possibly they they just fixed game exposure but now they found a way to get money for it you know what i mean yeah, I see where you're coming from. I think it's a difficult problem to fix that a, a gigantic parts part of many industries is trying to fix. Um and and there are other questions um will this be sustainable for developers? How are they getting the the money? How do you count it? Is it by time? Does it influence the kind of gameplay you're going to create? Do you make longer loops? It's there are tons of questions there. Um but I yeah, I I I see where you're coming from. I think right. it's. I still think it's a positive thing, or I hope it will be. But yeah, it's, me too. I, yeah. I'm excited to see how it goes. Uh, also, easier to give your uh, kid uh, uh, an iPod or uh, an iPhone with that subscription service and everything else turned off um, because it's probably safer, and that's where they're. Going. I agree. Like a throw it up on your Apple TV. Give the kid a, you yeah. know. Uh, a MiFi controller and he's off to the races. Like there, there are some advantages there. Plus, you know, cloud saves across devices and all of that. They really, they are, they really are offering a thing that will be great in that scenario. Great for mobile gamers who already want this sort of stuff. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's. I think it's a. It will have value for sure. Yeah. The, the will the, it the, have the value for you though? Is the question? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the question. And I don't know. I'm gonna do it. We'll, so see. we'll see. Yeah, I think you'll shot. you'll pay for it for a year at least. So that's they've already oh, taken yeah. some of your money at least. Yeah, they got it. <laughs> they may as well just take it now and then. <laughs> Um, someone else or another company that is probably going to take, be taking more of your money is Nintendo. Uh, very quickly to finish, uh, off the show, the, uh, uh, report from, was it the Wall Street Journal? It probably was. Yes. Uh, it, it was. was. Okay. Thank you. Uh, that Nintendo is working on two new versions of the Switch console, one higher end model, one lower end model. Um, both of them being released towards the summer, probably. Um, um, 
And the higher end model is, of course, not as powerful as the most powerful consoles we see now, but aimed at uh, more demanding gamer, more demanding gamers. And the cheaper model uh, still being what we're hearing. There are contradicting reports here, but maybe still being both dockable and portable for the Switch, maybe not as easily, um, but it won't completely eschew one of the sure. modes, uh, which is what the it, where the mind immediately goes when you think about a cheaper model. You think, oh, portable only. But it seems that might not be the case, uh, but still cheaper. And, um, okay. and, and yeah, so both could come out this summer. Um, what do you think about that, Scott? Oh, man. I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm one of those people that uses a Switch almost exclusively in portable mode. Um, I rarely have it on a TV. And uh, while I would like to retain that ability, the idea of a less expensive, more portable-friendly version of it, which maybe means more compact. There's talk that they would remove the the Smart Rumble or whatever the hell it's called. Or, HD, or no, HD Rumble, Rumble yeah. out of it. Uh, they'd take that out of there to save money, which is fine with me. I don't care or use it for anything um it's there's even talk that the the controllers wouldn't slide out that it would be a big solid state device um that's all fine i'd still think it would be cool if i could usb uh three to hdmi that thing into a tv um that would be my preference just just for you know i i, I think that'd be a nice option to, to include uh but that being said, I'm actually really excited about this. And I always am with Nintendo second generation uh, versions of their hardware because they always improve them. They're always better. They're always cooler. Something gets just better every time. The DS was the best example. The first DS was a goofy plastic nightmare. And then a year later, you got the DS Lite. And that was perhaps one of the best designs they ever made. Uh, same goes for the GBA. The, Grand, the uh, Game Boy Advance was a just a gnarly looking toy horrible uh year later they do the the sp models which were uh, they flipped up they had back backlight and perhaps one of the greatest interfaces a game machine ever had was the sp version of the game boy advance so i have all sorts of feelings about this and most of them are positive i want to see what these look like and i want to see what a iterative uh you know switch looks like I, they've done similar things again with the 3ds that that got better as things went on so yeah it's, why not uh, here why not here I'll it's something it. that I'm they've ready. often done on their portable consoles uh not often basically every single device has had a few iterations of them sometimes more than a few um it's a great way of selling more consoles to people who already got them, um, especially on the Switch, which is retains the qualities of home console and uh, a, a portable device. I was uh, talking with um, Ollie Welsh, editor of, of Eurogamer, on my show Pixels earlier in the week. Well, actually yesterday. And uh, I, one thing what I, which I noticed as I was speaking was the Switch could have been the the you know the 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 l lowest common denominator between portable and home it it what it ended up being which is a testament to the mastery of uh, nintendo is an additive uh device that has the best of both capabilities and by the way people on a whole uh use it almost as much uh, uh docked and portable so there's really a parity of of use uh time across the entire install base um 
And in this case, I think the portable aspect shines because you might want multiple people in your household to have a switch. Maybe you turn your existing one into a hand-me-down and give them to a kid. And you get the <laughs> uh, fancier version because it has a larger screen or it's a little bit lighter or whatever reason, a little bit more compact. I think a lot of core gamers would think, oh, I don't really need a switch. It's just, you know, well, mine works fine. And then it's a little bit lighter than you model and they'll just rush to the store and, and purchase it just because. Um, and, and so... And You're it, basically and the, describing me, by the way. You're describing me. This I, is what I'm you know, I think there's a lot of, of core gamers who have fallen in love with the Switch. It, there's some magic weird alchemy that Nintendo has created. And a lot of people uh, are just waiting for a reason to get a better one. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a PC Switch Master Race thing happening. Yes, exactly. It's very, very, very odd. It's like yeah. PC gamers are notoriously, ah, consoles, they're the, they're the worst. And then I just have my PC here. But what I've seen since the Switch's launch, is people who are PC and Switch. And and it's pervasive. Like, it's everywhere. Hmm. And they're ready to do this sort of stuff because they're, they're, that's how they are with their PCs. Ooh, new video card. got to swap that hmm. out. Get a new video card. This is, this is that same mentality for a better uh, Switch. And for whatever reason, that thing has become like the, the other device that, that those gamers like, those core gamers enjoy. I don't think Nintendo even planned for that. I think it just worked out that way. And and that's great. I mean, that's me to a T. I'm going to hand mine down to one of my kids, <laughs> and I'm going to go get whatever cooler one there is, whether it's the you know cheaper, more portable one, or whether it's the more expensive one, or whatever it is. That's I, I, this is already yeah. a plan. It's already going down. And, and the cheaper one, whatever it ends up being, is going to be a perfect purchase for um for for the kids if you want to keep your old one. And uh, come Christmas. There is going to be a lot of them under the the tree, especially since if you have you know more than one child, it's possible that they will all want a switch. And at that point, if there's one that's you know 199 bucks, maybe you want to go that route if you're rich and can buy three for your three kids rather than the one that's 300 bucks. And they have a great segmentation of the market uh, uh, and targeting with those offerings. I mean, it's a it seems like a very clever move and not an unexpected one because they always do that with the portable consoles. They do have this tendency. I'm excited, man. Real for reals. Like this is maybe the more the most excited about any of these announcements this year. <laughs> That's weird. I should be more all over head over heels with Stadia or more freaked out about what Microsoft's going to do at E3 or whatever. Mm. Instead, I'm just like new switches. Sweet, you know, like. <laughs> The Weird. Nintendo magic. Well, Scott, uh, if people want to get more of your magic, where would they go on the internet? Well, uh, there's only one final destination. Not in a sort of horror movie sort of way, but a place to go. <laughs> this is not to, a Mortal uh, Kombat scenario. You're, you're, you're nice no, and no, fluffy. No, no. Exactly. Uh, you can do that over at frogpants.com. Uh, all links are there for things, all the shows I do, the artwork I do, all the stuff that matters for my little world are there and you can follow my ramblings each day every day on twitter at scott johnson 
For me, it's NotPatrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. NotPatrick in one word. Or Frenchspin.com for the shows I do in English, uh, one of which is Pixels, which is a show about games where we dive a lot deeper into those topics a couple of times a month. And uh, that's what you want to do if you have, uh, uh, if you are a core gamer and you enjoy, uh, you might enjoy that show. And of course, DTNS, the daily tech news show, of which this show is a, an offshoot, a partner, a friend, uh, all of those things at once. And uh, you can go check that out at dailytechnewsshow.com or on your podcast app. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back in about a month for another MPGB. Talk to you then. Yeah.